Speaking as uh, as the uh, one of the pastors, but as the I don't really know what my title is. I like all-time quarterback, I guess. I'm, I don't rotate off the elder board, so call me what you want. Um, but um, when I uh, when I think about our our church and not just our church, but the capital C church, but also you know, big church is what I want. But it, I mean, I'm not haven't been called to shepherd the entire world church uh, yet. Just kidding. Uh, hopefully that will never, ever happen for anybody, ever, um, except for Jesus. So we'll just let him take care of that. But uh, as far as our church is concerned, um, some things that, that I just desire to see continue to be formed in us. And also, like I said, the big church. But as far as this church, I really see some specific things that God has begun to do um, that uh, I just... You know, the, the word ethos just keeps coming back to me. It just becomes a natural part of how this particular church uh, functions. Um, that the character of our church would be the character of Christ. And that that would be revealed in some very specific ways um, for not only for us to experience together, but for everybody outside of our church to see and for God to use us to draw people closer to himself. Um, last week, uh, I talked about service and how, um, how really that, I hope that that continues to become something that is an, a natural reaction of ours. That as, um, as we go throughout our day and we see needs all around us, that our natural inclination is to do whatever we can to meet those needs. And that it shouldn't require... Um, a big pep rally to get a church to serve their community. Uh, and I don't just mean like Baton Rouge necessarily. I mean like just your community as far as the relationships that are around you that you live in, you know, from Sunday to Sunday. Um, it shouldn't take, shouldn't take a pep rally to get us to love our neighbor as ourselves. It should be a, par- a natural part of how we are. Um, however, I do understand that um, we are, are being transformed by the renewing of our minds in the sense that there's a, a pattern. Uh, this is how Paul describes it in Romans 12. There's a pattern that the world has established. And so we were kind of born into this pattern. We've grown up in this pattern. And Paul's saying, don't be conformed to this pattern, but be transformed by your mind being renewed. And so we are in this process of trying to break out of this one pattern that we've grown up in and let God redefine our pattern. And you see um, Jesus all throughout the scriptures, he pretty much just turns things upside down for people. And every time he teaches or every time he um, heals someone, and every time he does literally anything, it is a way of breaking that pattern for his disciples and those that he is teaching and those he's ministering to. Breaking the pattern that they've grown up in and helping to transform them by renewing their minds, by teaching them how to think and react differently. So, you know, one so pattern of the world would you know the world would say um, you have to look out for yourself, and Jesus would say no 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 consider consider others to be more important than yourself. 
It's like the greatest among you is what we looked at last week. The greatest among you um, is not going to be the one who is seated on this throne and this political power, whatever. The greatest, the greatest among you is going to be the one who is serving. And he said, I'm, I'm God in the flesh, and even I'm here to serve. So he turns things upside down. You know, the world would tell you you can't trust anybody, and Jesus would say, uh, you, you can, you can trust me. And you can trust the Christ in me, in your community. Um, the world would tell us that you have to have more money and possessions and stuff like that to be happy. And Jesus would say, actually, the less stuff you have, the happier you will be. Um, uh, there's just so many, so many messages that we grow up, and they're, they're taught to us, and they're reinforced, and it's over and over and over. And so um, I understand that serving people and putting their needs ahead of, of, our, of ours um, and giving up our time and you know all that kind of stuff that that is not necessarily going to be our natural inclination. So what we're trying to do as believers is to break free from that pattern of selfishness and not really wanting to help people and or only helping people because it might somehow re- bring some good back our way. Or uh, I saw the episode of the Office the other day where Dwight brings in bagels for everybody and he's they're like oh this is so nice of you he's like oh don't worry about it you'll just owe me one. Um, that, that we aren't serving people so that they can, you know, then they owe us a favor or something or whatever. But Jesus turns that upside down, and he's, he says, no, um, you are to consider the needs of others. You are to put other people ahead of yourself. Um, that the entire New Testament is, is, is giving testimony to the fact that that's what Jesus did by leaving heaven and coming here. He put our needs ahead of his own, um, and we are to pattern ourselves after him and not after the world. So in one sense, I'm saying I'm not... I'm trying to reassure you that I'm not saying our church is not servant-hearted because we are servant-hearted, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that there's a pattern of uh, self-centered living that we're trying to break free from as well and acknowledge the fact that we, while we may like to, like to serve and feel driven to serve and understand serving, there's still more of us that needs to be transformed in that area of our lives. Because when we serve, it is, a, it is a picture of the gospel. Like I said earlier, it is a copy of the original um, that, we are, um, that we are out serving people everywhere we go. And there's a reason behind that. We don't just serve to serve. We serve because it shows them the gospel. Believing that God can use the smallest acts of service to, to speak to someone's heart or to, you know, to tear down walls or, or whatever. Um, and so last week it was really just kind of a, just, I just felt like the message was supposed to be, hey, um, our goal needs to be for like service to be a natural part of the ethos of this community. That, it's, that it doesn't take a, a pep rally, it doesn't take a come on guys, it doesn't take a this, it's just, it's just absolutely natural. So when someone comes into this community, this family of faith for the first time, uh, that's one of the things that they notice. So wow, these people just they just take care of each other. And not in a self-focused way. I mean they just they care for each other. They open doors for each other and they help each other carry things and they are talking about helping somebody move and somebody load up this truck and then they talked about this lady that was having surgery and how people are getting together meals for her and they're trying to make sure that her pets are put in in uh in a kennel you know and all this I mean those kinds of things just being a natural like when a need presents itself we just naturally okay well let's let's do this to the point that um, these kids that we are sending to camp and the younger ones that are coming up behind them that'll just be a natural part of the ethos that they grow up in 
So when they get to be young adults, it is weird to them to watch people not respond and meet needs. Like they'll be just confused. Like why in the world would, would we not do this? I don't understand. Because it's just a natural part of things. Now tonight I want to look at something that is, it's kind of an offshoot of that. Um, and, and this is where it comes from. There's a couple of verses we're going to put up on the screen uh, to kind of show you. Uh, in the New Testament, there's some, some instruction given to, to hospitality. This is, uh, put these up and we're just going to flash them up there real quick. This is Romans 12, 13. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is in Hebrews. Uh, this is uh, 13, 1 and 2. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. All right? So don't neglect hospitality. And the third one is in 1 Peter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Okay? So here's uh, three different books, and they use this word, hospitality. And that word in the Greek, um, it means, like, literally, love, love to strangers. Love to strangers. I like that. Now, the word stranger sounds kind of strange. Because we don't like to, like, stranger, that's like, from the, when you're real little, you're taught what? Don't talk to them. Danger stranger, right? If you see one, you run the other way. A stranger, you know, ask for directions. You go find a cop somewhere. I mean, it's like strangers are bad, right, from when you're small. And when you're small, and if you are small and you're in this room, be careful with strangers, okay? We're talking about adults here. Um, but but here's, here's the thing, love, love for strangers. Um, this is what, that's what hospitality means, literally that word. Um, we're talking about making room for strangers and treating them like family. Now, when I say strangers, I don't mean, one, that you're strange, or two, I don't mean that, um, like, people who don't belong. But in other sense, I do mean people who don't belong. Um, but I don't mean that in the, like, you know, we don't serve your kind here, you know, not like you don't belong with, with us or whatever, not like that. But people who don't have that, that sense of belonging within a group of people or within a community, in that sense, they don't belong. They don't feel like they belong. They don't have that connection relationally. And so we're, when we're talking about strangers and making room for strangers, we're talking about people who come into your community, all right, whether it's this church or where you work or where you live or our city or your school or whatever, people who come in and they are strangers because they, they don't belong. They don't feel like they belong. They don't have the relationships that would, would give them that security of knowing I belong here. So you take those people and you treat them like family. Even though you don't know them, you treat them the way you would people who are in your own family. That's what hospitality is, love to strangers. So those verses we just read, it talked about seeking opportunities to show it, about not neglecting it. So, all right, let's do a quick, like, biblical rundown of hospitality. Um, if you were to look in Genesis 18, you'll see uh, this great example that uh, 
for many, many years, many, many groups of people all over the world have patterned themselves after, and it's after Abraham. And um, in that particular encounter, Abraham meets uh, basically God and two angels, um, and he um, washes their feet, and he prepares food for them and offers them shelter. And whenever they go to leave, he goes with them to see them on their journey. Um, there was a quick, quick little desert life lesson here. Um, in Israel, uh, there are parts that are incredibly fertile, and there's lots of, of just green everywhere and all that kind of stuff. But um, most of our um, old, old, old Testament fathers grew up in like very, uh, very rocky kind of desert, not like sand, just rocks everywhere, and it was super dry and super. I mean, it was a desert. So, um, and, and if, you were, if you were traveling through a desert or if you were um, moving your, your herds, you know, in different places or whatever, um, you were incredibly vulnerable because you needed food and you needed water. And any time there was a well, um, if there was a river or, you know, whatever, that's where, like, people would set up and they would live there. So let's say that you're traveling, you and your family, you're traveling, you're going through this desert, and you need water, you need food, and the only food and water, um, there are people camped up all around the well over there. So you need what they have, but you're not going to barge up into like their little neighborhood that they have set up and take it. And the thing is, everybody there, everybody in this region, they all traveled at different points, and so they knew the dangers, and they knew the risks, and they... They knew what it was like to have this need and to also just not really know what the, what the boundaries were. So Abraham became this, this pattern that everybody in, this, in the whole region would follow after. That there was kind of this code of conduct, um, not just in, in the desert, but just kind of spread out with them. It just kind of became a part of their ethos of whenever a stranger rolls up, we take care of them. Because sometimes we're the stranger who's traveling and people take care of us. And so here's kind of how the, how the code went. Uh, if you were to come up, um, you could uh, basically, like, if you saw someone coming up to your, like, your tents and stuff like that around the well or whatever, you saw them coming, you began to prepare right away. You started to prepare a place for them. You started to prepare um, something for them to drink. You started to make bread or some kind of food. So when they get to you... Um, there is, there is this understanding between you. That you're the host and they're the stranger. Okay? They, they don't belong. They don't have that sense of belonging. And so you treat them like family. And what do you do when family comes to visit? You prepare a place for them and you start lining up what are we going to eat and what are we going to do. And so that's what you do. So you bring them in and you could stay for three days with no questions asked. You didn't have to tell them who you were or where you were going. Um, and, and there was this, this understanding, and so you would, you, the person would come up, and what you would do is you would, the first thing you do is you would offer to wash their feet. And the washing of the feet was not just because they had dirty feet. Uh, it symbolized something more. It was you extending hospitality to them, and it was them accepting it by sitting down and letting you wash their feet. And that kind of was, was, the, was the contract. That's how you each sign the contract. What that meant is we'll, we're going to care for you for three days. We're going to give you shelter and food and stuff. And the other person was like, okay, um, I'm going to accept that from you. And 
both parties were now engaged in something that meant there would be no hostility between them. You as the host were saying, I'm not going to try to rob you or take advantage of you. And the stranger was saying, I'm going to accept your protection and I'm not going to try to rob you or take advantage of you either. And so you had three days. And I'm not sure when this started. This is one something in Israel. We, uh, I think I've told part of this story before. We, we start walking through the desert and we don't know, like, we're going this way and there's nothing that way. Like nothing. And so we have no idea where we're going. And so we walk and walk and walk and walk. And eventually we come over this little hill and... Um, there's a little group of tents, and uh, we get closer, and uh, there, are, you know, there are these these ladies and, and girls and a couple of boys, but they were real young, and they were waving to us, and they come in and they have this covered area, and they have all these blankets, you know, laid out, and they have uh, bread that's being cooked over this fire, and they they sit down, and they start serving us tea, hot tea, and they start bringing the bread around, and um, our our guide was telling us that. Uh, he said, I wanted to bring you here because I want you to experience what hospitality is like in the desert. He said, I come here maybe like once, twice a year. He said, there's no phone here. There's no way of notifying them, hey, we're coming, and there's how many, we are, how many of us there are. He said, basically, when they saw us coming over the hill, that was as much notice as they had. And so they give us all this, all this tea, you know, and we're just amazed, and we have time. We're able to ask some questions and stuff like that, and he's interpreting or whatever. And uh, he told us, he said, so you notice how the tea is super sweet. And it was sweet. I mean, not like cane sweet, like more. And it was hot. And so it was awesome. And then you fell asleep. And then you woke up. You're like, hey. Um, it was awesome. And, uh, and the guy told us, he, he said, said, she's already asked if we wanted to stay the night. And, you know, we, we told her that we couldn't. And she understands that. He said, but he said, we could stay here for three days. And they would feed us. And they would... Um, offer us protection, and if anybody came up and tried to rob us, they would defend us. And he said, but one thing you would notice is today the tea is really, really sweet, and tomorrow it would be moderately sweet. And by the third day, there's no sweetness in it at all. And that is, that is their way of letting you know your three days are up. It's time to like, go ahead and roll on. To me, I was like, I'd take the hint. I hate unsweet tea. Uh, so... Um, and the, so, so they, the things that they did for us, and they, she may have asked if they could wash our feet, I'm really not sure, but that goes back to Father Abraham. And that has been something that has been patterned for, you know, all this time. Um, and so that's, that's how it, it would work in the desert. There was, there was uh, provision, okay, like they would feed you and make sure that those needs were met. There was shelter, um, there was protection, this was all, all looking out for the weary traveler who didn't belong and was, was taking someone who was a stranger and you treat them like family. And because, like I said, every, everybody in that culture at some point was the host and at some point they were the stranger. And so when they were the host, they rolled out the red carpet. And when they were the stranger, they got to experience someone else rolling out the red carpet. And they were so grateful for that. And that was just kind of, and that's just the way that it was then, and that's the way that it is still to this day. And I'll never forget that experience because he had told us about how hospitality in the desert, and then he like walked us like two miles through the desert to go experience it for real. 
And so when we talk about hospitality, usually what comes to mind is like dinner parties, uh, people being nice, you know, like some of those kind of like hosting different things or, um, you know, when if you ever like stay, you stay at someone's house and, you know, they're like, they're ready for you and the bed's all made and everything's all like whatever and people who are just good hosts. But it's, it's really, it's, it has a deeper meaning than that um, for us. In Leviticus 19, we'll put this verse up. This is, uh, so that happened in Genesis 18. So a little while later, uh, this is what God says. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you, sh- you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. Okay, so there, there it is. Treat the stranger like a native. And you shall love him as yourself. Does that sound familiar? Yeah? Commandment 2. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, the first line of the Ten Commandments passage is, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of slavery in the land of Egypt. And I was reading this sermon commentary, and he was talking about how, um, like, in a Jewish mindset, they wouldn't have to, like, quote the whole thing. They could just say the first line of a psalm, and immediately would bring to mind the entire thing. So when Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting a psalm. So everybody heard him would have thought the whole psalm. He didn't have to run through the whole thing. So here's God telling them, um, treat the strangers among you like natives. Because remember, you at one time were a stranger. I'm the Lord your God. And to them that have been like, oh yeah, here's all the law. Saying, you are a copy of the original. You're a copy of the original. The original is God looking at them and seeing that they are strangers in the land of Egypt, and he treats them as his own children and brings them under his wing and offers them protection and nourishment and guidance and all the things that they need. And he says, now you do the same thing for other people. You be like me. I'm the original. You're the copy. You go and do likewise. So that's where hospitality comes from. It's become something quite different. That's where it comes from. So, all right, so all throughout the Old Testament, that's a part of the environment. That's a part of what Israel is trying to, uh, and they're they're trying to get to understand it, and most of the time they're really not trying very hard, um, that God is trying to, to get them to, look, take in people who are not like you. Literally take them into your house. But big picture is just meet their needs. Whatever their needs are as strangers, Try to meet those. You get into the New Testament, and there's just lots and lots and lots of hospitality-themed um, events in the life of Jesus. And what is one of, the, one of the negative things I always say about him? He eats with sinners and tax collectors. When you sit around the table with someone in the ancient Near East, that's a big deal. That's the most intimate kind of, of uh, social gathering that you can have. When someone invites you into their home, they prepare a meal for you, and, you, and, and that's where here Jesus walks in. And remember, remember when they didn't wash his feet, and the lady comes in and she's washing her, his feet with her tears and drying with her hair because they had neglected the custom. That was an insult. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, they weren't like, oh, good, now my feet are clean. And they weren't like, oh, uh, look, here is uh, 
Jesus, you know, serving and meeting a physical need, that triggered something in them. It's like, look, here's, here's the rabbi who is serving us, and he is loving us the way he does a family. There's so many times where the stories that are centered around, um, about Jesus are centered around situations where hospitality either is offered or it's withheld. And if you withheld it, that was an, an insult that only, only an enemy would do. The betrayal of Judas to sit around the table and to share that meal at the Last Supper and then to go and betray Christ, that was, it, it didn't get any, any worse to them. So, uh, there's Jesus. Then all throughout the New Testament, that's, it's a defining quality of the New Testament church. And that is a part of what set them apart from all the other kind of religious systems and everything else was these people, they take care of the hurting that are around them. They don't just, just throw some money in the, in the cup of the one who's begging. They actually meet the needs that are there. In the first century, in the second century, in the third century, now as this goes on, this is just, it's just a part of how Christians interacted with their culture. There was hospitality that was there. They served people uniquely in this sense. They opened up their homes. They fed those who were hungry. If you were a stranger, you would get treated like family in a community that openly said, we are Christ's followers. And at some point along the way, uh, things started to, to progress. And so uh, you take hospitality. Um, that's where the word hospital comes from. So hospitals were originally, these are places of hospitality for those who are sick. You take uh, hospices. These are, these are places of hospitality for those who are dying. You take hotels and hostels. These are places of hospitality for those who are traveling. I mean, all these things that are now a part of our culture are all rooted in hospitality that goes all the way back to the beginnings. But at some point along the way, something something changed. And I'm sure somebody smart has written a book about it uh, to kind of start to show where, where things began to split apart. But at some point, hospitality stopped being a, a natural part of the expression of the local church and started being a job given to people who are specifically trained to take care of specific people. So even though hospitals and hospices and hotels and all these things are, they need to be run by professionals, absolutely. Kind of what, what you see happen in the history of the church is the church kind of just hands that responsibility over to those organizations and those people and kind of steps back. It's kind of like what's happened with, with uh, missions, where like missions is done by these people who go to these countries and do these things. So I will write my check and I'll give it to the cooperative program and they can go and do that and I can just live in my own little world and still feel like, still feel good about, you know, where money's going and stuff like that. Instead of this holistic missions approach where some go and some stay, but all of us are missionaries, now it's kind of become kind of one of those things. Well, hospitality's kind of become that same way. So, so that's why now when I bring up hospitality, you instantly think of um, dinner parties and, uh, you know, looking out for guests and people whose house is always clean and perfect and you know they make amazing they make the they take the watermelon and cut it and make a basket out of it you know like those kinds of things like wow people who throw great showers and stuff like that um, instead of hospitality 
including hospitals, hospices, hotels, people opening up their homes and all that kind of stuff. So, what's with the history lesson? Okay, um, at some point, we've, we've got to go back to where we came from. And I think that's a part of what God is forming in this community, is it's not um, just serving, and it's not just, not just all this stuff, that, that I believe he is bringing us back to treating strangers like family. Saying, hey, I, I know you may not have a sense of belonging yet, but um, we're going we're gonna to speed that process up. Now, go to Ephesians 2. I'm sorry it took me so long to get to the main text, um, but you'll see why. Uh, Here's where, here's where it comes from for you and for me. Um, we could do hospitality as a means to grow our church. You know, we could say, hey, look, the nicer we are, the more people are going to come through the doors, and pretty soon we'll outgrow this place, and then we can do a building campaign and buy some land and build a building. And, you know, no. Uh, we, could, we could do that. Um, we, could do, we could push hospitality because it really is unfortunate when people come to church and they don't come back and their one reason is nobody talked to me. Um, we could push that and that'd be, that'd be a good reason to push things too. Um, that's not where this comes from for us either. Um, we could say, hey, we need to be hospitable because God said to. That would be enough. But I think a, a deeper understanding for us as New Testament Christians would be to have a good grip on this text right here. Verse 11 in chapter 2. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Okay, that whole part, let's just forget that that's there because that's like a tangent. Uh, basically, he says, look, remember this, Gentiles. Okay, if you're not Jewish here, that's you. Look at verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Okay? So you want to talk about strangers, um, separated, alienated, strangers to the covenants of promise, no hope without God in the world. Okay? So you may, have, you may be able to say, I've never really been a stranger. I've always kind of felt like I belonged wherever. Okay? Spiritually, at one point, you were a stranger. You did not have, to have a sense of belonging when it comes to you and God. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who's made us both one, and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. Okay, what's he talking about? He keeps talking about this two to one, two to one. Um, in Christ, it's, it's not a, are you Jewish or are you a, a Gentile? He's trying to say, look, in Jesus, the two have become one. That there's been peace that has been created, and the hostility between the two has now been killed. Um, Jewish people were not very good at hospitality when, in the sense that if you were not a Jew, uh, you were considered second class. And if you were a Samaritan, then you were considered like a mutt, and you were even worse. And so uh, there were 
just they just were not very open to that kind of hospitality. They definitely saw the kind of of um, boundaries between us all that we are trying to work to destroy. When Paul's saying here is that Jesus destroyed all that stuff, so it's not all about that. He has destroyed the hostility that exists. See, hospitality, when truly extended, has a way of just tearing down all of the boundaries that exist between us. See, one of the one of those problems that exists in a lot of churches is like, oh, you know, this church is so clicky. You know, there's there's this group and this group and this group, and it flashes back to like eighth grade when that's like, you know, most important thing. I mean, no offense to eighth graders, but like that's kind of like how your world is structured, you know. And so then you hear grown-ups being like, yeah, you know, I don't really fit in here, this, this, and this. And what I think Paul is saying, we can just quote this and say, no, no, this has all been destroyed. When we extend hospitality to each other, that is proving the fact that there really is nothing that separates us. When, when, when you come to my house and we share dinner together, it tear down, tears down the, the walls that are between us. Whatever prejudices are there, whatever preconceived ideas about each other, whatever weirdness is there because we just don't know each other, you sit down to dinner with someone and those things get so much better. That's why we do eating with people I don't know. And this time when we did it, it was so difficult because like people kind of have... Like, our circles interact a whole lot more than they used to the first time we did it. So people were like, hey, I know all my people in my eating with people I don't know group, you know? Like, awesome problem, okay? Have fun. Go eat. <laughs> um, but I think that, that that, I mean, that's why we do that. Because if you sit down with four or five strangers and you share a meal together, by the end of that meal, you're not strangers anymore. It's happened uh, in pretty cool ways with this, like, men's softball league. We have two teams in the softball league. There's, like, 15 guys on each team. And you watch guys who didn't really interact before now that are, like, good game in each other. I'm like, what? How do you go from stranger to good game? I don't It's softball. I don't know. But it's, it's one of those things. It just it tears down walls. Is that weird? No? Okay. Look at this. I just better keep going. Back to the Bible. Um, Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Here we go. Here it is. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but now you are citizens and members of his household. So, you want to know where hospitality comes from? It comes from there. It comes from the cross. And the fact that if you are a Christian, at one point you are a stranger to God, and he looked at you and says, I'm going to treat you like family. I'm going to bring you near. So we're brought near by his blood. So he brings us near. This is now you show hospitality. You show love for strangers in the same way. So that's why it's, not, it's more than dinner parties. It's more than throwing a good shower. It's more than just having a clean house. It's a copy of the original. It's a picture of the gospel. And like I said last week, um, some people may doubt that simple acts of hospitality 
can convey such deep truths, but I, I challenge you. Um, because I know in my own life there have been plenty of times where I didn't belong and someone had the guts to say, hey, come over here. Hey, come go eat with us. Hey, let's do this. Come, come to our house. Let's get to know each other. And the walls come down and there's connections that are made and that belonging begins to grow. And I promise you, this has nothing to do with, with our church being friendly or our church growing. This is just, just about the gospel. This is, I mean, you want practical ways to convey our faith? Love to strangers. So I could run through, I mean, example after example after example of how we can live this out. You could just take a Sunday. Because there are people who come into our church every single week who are here for the very first time, and they feel like strangers. They don't have that sense of belonging that, that some of, of you have have grown used to. And so biblical hospitality would say, hey, remember what it was like when you were the newbie? Um, let's make sure that like nobody ever feels as awkward as maybe you felt at that time. And so that means when our church comes together on Sunday, we actually look around. I just got a new sister-in-law. Uh, my brother's getting in, uh, married in August. Um, if she were to come to our house, all right, there's now like, what, seven of us if she were to come to our house for the first time and none of us would talk to her or acknowledge that she was there that'd be weird yet people come into our church all the time and maybe some of you are here tonight and I would say welcome welcome stranger <laughs> uh, we want to treat you like family so much that we prepared a meal for you uh, in your honor uh, afterwards uh, but that that's how we tear down the walls between each other. So you can take eating with people I don't know, and you, can, you have permission, all right? We'll take the copyright off of it. You can do that in your own life. You can say, hey, I don't know you. Want, let's, let's set up a time to go have coffee or have lunch or have dinner. Come over to our house, and we'll like, prepare you a meal. We have all these college students, and one of the, like, the questions that always exists is, other than uh, adopt a college student, programs that don't ever work. How do you connect adults and college students? I would just say, just be hospitable. I mean, just say like, hey, and then you go take it from there. <laughs> Start with hey. Uh, I think you, you look around and I, I think you, you see you see people and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like the social whatever doesn't matter because Jesus has crushed all hostility. He's crushed all the boundaries between us. So really, we're all people looking at each other with no boundaries at all, other than whatever like refusal we have socially to just push past that. But then you go outside of this church, there are people that you work with who are, are hurting, and maybe they don't have what you have. Maybe they don't have a group of people that meets every Tuesday and studies the Bible together that they can email or text message or, or walk into group and just unload and say, look, this is what's going on. Maybe they don't have that. Maybe you are that for them. And so maybe when you see them hurting, maybe, maybe you invite them to your house. Maybe you say, hey, uh, let's go to lunch tomorrow. I, I, you just don't seem like yourself. Hospitality is not not just about hosting, it's, all, it's about taking care of the hurting. 
and the needy and the people around us. I mean, we've seen some pretty stellar examples of hospitality uh, within our church life in the last couple of years. I just pray that that continues to form in us. Whether it's someone who walks in our church door or whether, whether you just live in such a way that you're just prepared all the time. So maybe you get your house or your apartment in order so like if you meet somebody and they, they need a place to stay, you don't have to, like, you're not like, oh, my house is just a complete wreck. There's no way. Maybe, you do, maybe you're ready for guests. Maybe you roll around town with some uh, Raising Cane's gift cards. And you see somebody who's like, has a sign that says they need something to eat. Maybe you hook them up. I mean, whatever it looks like, inside this church, outside this church, it doesn't matter. My prayer is that God continues to form that in us as something that's just natural. It doesn't take a pep rally. It doesn't take a, come on guys, let's, let's get in there and be friendly. That every Sunday, I as the pastor can just stand back and be like, I can't find anybody to talk to because everybody's being talked to. Nobody's awkwardly staring at the bulletin trying to blend in until church starts. I, I, know, how, I know how it is. It's, it's fine. We all do it. We've all been there. It's about the gospel. We are copies of the original. I just pray that God continues to form that in us. Let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that uh, you saw us in need and you didn't just let us sit there. You saw us, we were strangers, we were uh, separated from you and you did something about it. And now you have called us uh, to just treat others the same way. So God, I pray that you help us to see the value in every person that, that we encounter. And God, that we would be prepared and that we would be abiding. And we would just be ready to respond as the needs come before us. We love you, Father. You've entrust, you just have entrusted us with, some, with so much. Um, I thank you, God, that you have also empowered us at the same time. And God, I just pray that you would continue to form this in us, that this would be a part of our ethos, that this would just be a natural part of our community. I thank you, God, for the ways that you have already begin, you've already begun that process, and thank you for the ways we've seen, we've seen the fruit of that. I just pray, God, that that would just continue, that we would just reflect you in such perfect and beautiful ways. God, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.